0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. The impact that fashion has on our planet, like it Mm -hmm. is so crazy crazy and toxic like it's actually a little scary the amount of clothes that are thrown out every year um, by us as individuals and by these large companies like if it doesn't spark joy that's that's literally the name of my brand farah means joy in Mm -hmm. arabic it's like if it doesn't bring you joy what are you doing holding on to it you got to let it go and there's someone else that would probably love it you know i'm sure you have so many beautiful things to toss things out but just make sure that they're going to a place where they could actually maybe be loved by somebody else
1: take a breath. (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Lutwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for being here. Um, so if you're new to the podcast, I love to share insight from amazing guests and to talk about topics to hopefully help whoever's listening, get inspired, um, see people who have done amazing things or have had incredible career paths or have been on TV and use their experiences, their information, their insight to help better our own lives in any way. So I always felt with podcasts, anytime I would listen, I would always hear a little tidbit of something that I needed to hear for that day, that week, Whatever I was going through, I could always apply whatever I heard from a podcast some way into my life. So that is my hope for you listening here with every episode and even today. So today we have Leela Orr on the podcast. She was on season 17 of Project Runway, which Project Runway has been on for years. And if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it, even if you're not like the biggest fashionista ever. I think it's an incredible reality show that we all love. Um, It's just so exciting to see people under really intense pressure situations and create these beautiful pieces and the designs that they make. And they always have these huge personalities. I've always loved the show. Um, And I fell off for a little bit, but luckily because Lila was on, she got me to watch again and I am re-obsessed. She made it pretty far in the competition. She was best known because she is a sustainable designer. So she likes to rework fabrics, or doesn't like to use much waste with creating and design, which I think is incredible because from what I've heard and any research that I've done, the fashion industry especially tends to be very wasteful. And we get into a lot of those topics today. And she has some very insane examples of how the fashion industry is wasteful and ways that we ourselves can help decrease our waste, especially with fashion. And I know I'm not the best person at that because being in the influencer space, you tend to, I mean, just saying it like it is, you tend to get a lot of products sent to you. And I try to only accept things that I love and only talk about the things that I love whenever I talk about them on social media or on here over time it just you end up getting things gifted or when you do collaborations that a lot of times it can be wasteful. So I am trying to learn more about it. I'm trying to decrease my carbon footprint a little bit more each day. A lot of it we don't realize could even be just the clothes that we're wearing and how that affects the environment and sometimes when we even think that we're recycling clothes or when we're donating them, like Leela says today, a lot of times they don't even actually make it on the floor. uh, Those places just throw away the clothes. So she has so much knowledge in this area and I think it's a fascinating subject and I'm excited for you guys to get to listen. And we talk about besides that, just like general fashion trends, how we can refine our closets, a lot of really fun stuff in regards to our own personal style and fashion and how we can incorporate that into our lives. I think this episode's super fun and informative, and I loved getting to talk with Leela. I think this was one of the most unique episodes that we've had so far, and I just think it's going to be a really great one for you guys to listen to. So definitely share this one with a fellow fashionista or someone that's trying to be a little bit more sustainable, especially in regards to fashion, or just really anyone that you think could love this episode because I really enjoyed this one, so I hope that you guys share it my um, something to share today. I was asking you guys to prepare for the episode with Nick that we do every month. We tend to give a lot of advice um, towards at least the end of the episode. And I wanted to go through one of them that you guys sent in today. So someone asked this idea of being single when all of your friends are dating. And I there's not a lot of context here Um, because it was just over Instagram, but being single when your friends are all dating. So I'm wondering with this, if it's a conscious decision of you're being single for a reason, maybe you just got out of a breakup, maybe you just don't feel ready to date right now, maybe you just moved cities and that seems overwhelming, or whatever the reasons are that you're not dating, or it could just be that you aren't dating because you can't really find anyone or you're nervous to go on dates, whatever the reason is, if you're not dating and you want to be and your friends are all dating and that feels overwhelming. Um, I wanted to talk through this today. So I will give you the history that I've told many times on here before, but I didn't get my first boyfriend until I turned 29. Um, Nick was my first boyfriend. I've now lived with him for a year. We've come very far um, in the short amount of time that we've been dating, but I always felt very behind, especially in that part of my life. I always felt like other people knew how to date. Other people knew how to do it better. I don't know what I'm doing. It always made me feel really insecure and I did hold myself back a lot, I think, from relationships. I think because I was scared to further that part of my life. I don't know why dating always seemed daunting or scary to me. I think generally growing up, I was pretty shy and a little bit reserved. So I think in a way, me being reserved was protecting myself from the fear of getting my heart broken or from entering into something that I didn't want or Really, whatever reason I had deep down inside of me, I I felt that deep down. And because of that, I think I avoided pursuing relationships that A, were actually what I wanted or B, pursuing things to the point of turning them into a relationship. So because of that, I spent many years doing that. And I think a lot of times that can be conscious where you – You go into a situation knowing that you don't want to talk to people or knowing that you don't want to go on a date or whatever it is. Or it can be subconscious, which I think a lot of times is what it was for me, where I would date people that I knew I didn't see a future with or that I didn't really like that much or go on dates with people like that because deep down I wasn't ready yet to take those next steps, if that makes sense. Um, So I think you can block yourself internally without even really realizing it until you take a step back and analyze why you might be doing the things that you're doing or why you're making certain decisions or why you're in a certain situation. So that was what I had to do. And it took a long time of me realizing that. Um, I always would blame other things. I'd always blame other people or blame the fact that I couldn't find the right guy on just not being able to find them. But I think it also had to do with my intentions for how I was approaching dating and my mindset around dating at the time. Once I started realizing that those were my patterns and those are the things that I was doing, that's when I could start shifting my choices and how I went about things. Because of that, I always did go on dates. I always tried to pursue that part of my life, I would do it for short periods of times, like really like go for and like go on the apps and go on a bunch of dates. And then I would just put it on pause because I would be like, oh, there's no one out there. I'm over this. I don't want to do this. And I would just focus on myself, which was great because I could further my career and things like that. But I did hold myself back even more when I took those breaks. So I think if you are maybe in a similar position or if you feel like all your friends are dating and you're not dating and you want to be dating – great ways that helped me was to take long periods of time where I could reflect on why I wasn't dating, what I was holding myself back from, and also getting very, very clear on what it was I was actually looking for, what I knew that would be the thing that would fill me up, the thing that I would be happy with, the thing that I would be willing to let down my guard for, to pursue pursue further and to like lay my heart out there because it would be worth it because I knew it was something that I could actually see a future with. So until I got clear on that, I didn't start seeing changes until then. So that's one thing I think making lists is helpful or even you can get inspired by other relationships or pieces of other relationships that you think that you could like for yourself. So for example, I looked up to certain celebrities. So for <laughs> For example, I um, love Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. I love that their dynamic and how much fun they have together, how they're both very successful within their own careers. He has that really successful podcast. She is an actress and they're both philanthropists and all these other things, but I just love the dynamic that they had with each other. So in order for me to understand that and understand why I like that, I would listen to podcasts that they had together, interviews they did together, or just follow them on social media. And it can just be a passive thing that you do, or it can be something where you're like literally doing research about the type of relationship that you want. that's one way to do it. Or maybe you have a friend who has like your ideal of the perfect relationship. What about that relationship do you like so much? What is it that you're so inspired by or that you're really drawn to that relationship? Figure that out for yourself so that you know like, oh, those because he has this quality or because she they have this quality together. I want this. That's a great way to do it. And then when you have those ideas and when you have those values that you know that you need in your relationship that you're looking for, then when you're going out in the world and you're going on dates, you can recognize them so much easier. It'll become so much more clear. The red flags won't be so hard to detect because you will know quicker when you know exactly what you're looking for. It takes time, but that's a really great practice in order to really figure that out. And just as far as like putting yourself out there to date, I know that is so hard. I know that it can be very scary and daunting, but The more that you hold yourself back, the longer the process it is that you're going to meet this person. I know everyone says when you least expect it, it'll happen. And yes, that does happen but I think you have to also set yourself up for that success for when that does happen. I think you need to have your ideas in place of like, okay, what is it exactly that I'm looking for? What is it that I'm not willing to accept? And what are the things that I need to do in myself to match up to those ideals? Because a relationship is two parts, just because you want this perfect man. like, How could you better yourself in the meantime to get to be the best version of yourself so you can meet that person where they're at. It's a lot of work and it's very difficult, but I promise you the more work you do now and the more that you set yourself up for success and the more that you are bettering yourself in the meantime and you're raising up your self-worth and the more that you know yourself through and through, the better you are going to be for when you meet this person, the the easier it will be for you to move quickly and to jump into that relationship. I know that was very long-winded, but I I totally get if you're out there frustrated and you're comparing yourself to other people who are dating and you're not dating or you're overwhelmed by being single and no, nothing else is out there. I get it. I've been there. But I think especially now when you're frustrated, that's when you have to take those bigger risks. That's when you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. That's when you have to make the dating profile. That's when you have to reach out to the guy that you're interested in. That's when you have to like I said, get uncomfortable. That's why I literally went on The Bachelor's because that was the scariest thing that I could have ever done was to put myself out there, to go on dates, to do it on television with people watching. That was terrifying to me. And I forced myself to do that in order to push myself out of my comfort zone. And the growth that I saw from just doing that was tenfold. I don't think I'd be where I am right now if I hadn't taken those huge leaps. Like I said, that was so terrifying, but oftentimes the scariest thing that you can do is what's going to actually lead you to where you need to be all again within being safe and protecting yourself. But when it just comes to putting yourself out there, I think that is the best way to do it. Again, be safe. Put yourself in good situations, but sometimes you just gotta take chances. Sometimes you have to really try something new when all the other things that you're doing hasn't been working. Yeah, so hopefully that's helpful to anyone out there. Like I said, I get being single. I waited until I was 29 to get into a relationship. I'm so happy now that I found the thing that I was looking for. And then I put in all that work, and I get that it's hard and I get that it's frustrating, but do not give up hope on yourself or on what you're looking for because you're worth it and you will find it, I promise you, if you keep trying and keep picking yourself back up, keep putting yourself out there. Trust. Um, That's my something to share today, guys. Just sending love. Just know that you're not alone. I totally get where you might be at or what you might be feeling. Um, So again, just send in some love. Um, Enjoy this episode, guys, with Leela. Please, if you could leave a five-star review before you go. I love when I hear from you guys. I love when you DM me and talk about what you liked about the episode, but the reviews definitely help us to get higher on the list on Spotify and Apple so people can listen and so we can grow this audience and continue to get incredible guests for you guys to listen to and to grow this community. So without further ado, guys, here is Leela. Lila, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that you are here and for everyone to get to hear your insights on. I think you're the first like fashion industry person that we've had on the podcast. So I'm really excited to share you with my audience.
0: Amazing. Well, happy to be here and representing the fashion community. Yes. It's a big one and you're
1: doing a great job of it so far. For the people that don't know who you are, can you just give us a little background of who you are, the show you were on and kind of what you do as far as fashion goes?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I and my name is Lila Orr. I am a fashion designer and big advocate for sustainable fashion um, and environmentalism. Um, I got my start, um, I guess, and the public eye on project Runway. Uh, before that, I was at school, I was at Parsons. I was working mm-hmm. for a couple of different designers um, in New York and eventually made my way to Dallas. So I'm based here in Texas. I'm in Dallas. Um, and yeah, I was on season 17 of Project Runway as you know, the zero waste, sustainable, designer and got to showcase what I do to the world. And it was just quite a wild ride. And since then I've dressed some really cool people. I've been to some really cool places, done amazing shoots, really was able to launch my brand to another level. And then now we're sitting in my store. I opened up a sustainable concept shop. So I have Mm. a bunch of other designers here as well, not just my own brand, but, and that's what I'm doing now. I love that. And were you one of the first people that have been sustainable
1: on that show, or what? Have, was there other people like that before you on Project Runway?
0: Good question. There were a couple others. I am a fan of the show. I came in watching seasons prior, and yeah, there was they. There were a couple people, and there were people that mentioned it and like hinted and touched mm-hmm. on top of it of sustainability. There was one other zero waste designer guy that was on the show, but he was portrayed to be kind of just like all over the place. Like he Mm -hmm. was going through these bins of scrap and throwing them in the air and being really theatrical with it. And it was really fun to watch. But I think like at the time when I was a viewer at home, I was like, what is that guy doing? Like, yeah. he's crazy. And so I wanted to portray it in a way that's like, okay, like I can be mindful. I can create mindfully without throwing things away. Mm-hmm. Um, while like with, with, recycling things, showing off like my little tiny scrap pile and how I reused and repurposed it without looking like a crazy person. I would ask people, I'm like, do I look crazy? And they're like, no, like you're, you're good. You're, you're, you're good. <laughs>
1: so yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of your stuff and you would think like sustainable, you think like thrift store or patchwork <laughs> blankets or just like smaller items like that. But your work is beautiful and I can't wait to get into how you work with the fabrics and all of your technique because it's very impressive what you're able to do with sustainable clothing. Thank you. Are you in a sustainable
0: fashion as well?
1: I'm not, but I, I don't know enough because I want to be. I would love to have – I want to refine my closet. I've realized now I don't need as much as I have. I've moved a lot lately. um, And because of that, I've started to like donate things and get rid of things and change out my closet. And I just realized I don't need as much as you think and I run out of closet space. So I would love to do it in a sustainable way. I kind of want to pick your brain on how it works and the best way to do that in a second. But yes, I need to do better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We all can, believe me me too. So yeah, for sure. Okay. So before we get into
1: everything that is you, I want to ask the question that I ask of everyone to kind of start us off. I ask everyone to either bring something surprising from their nightstand or something with an interesting backstory and they're always interesting.
0: So Layla, what did you
1: bring for us today?
0: I love that you do that. Um, so I really thought on this one cause I was like, okay, nightstand. I, I feel like I my life is in like this crazy chaos mode right now because I'm preparing for my next collection. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, I was like, okay, what's the one thing that kind of grounds me? And I do keep it on my nightstand. So I was like, okay, this is going to be great to sh- for show and tell because it's a it's a notebook. I'm kind of like old school with it. Like my notes are literally like I have to write them down. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing more satisfying than like crossing something off of your oh, list. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you have like really vivid dreams. I, I'm like a crazy- vivid dreamer. I think of all kinds of like amazing right. things. And some things that are just like, I'm like, I don't think that exists. I have to like sketch it or I'll forget it, you know? So mm-hmm. I learned like, it is really good to keep like a nightstand, like journal, something like that. Even if you're not a designer, even if you just have like some like random passing thoughts that you just want to get out there and you're like, yeah, I need to like, you know, pay some attention to that You give mm-hmm. it some thought, you know? So I have these crazy, like it's from like everything of like notes and like numbers and like, Final projects, final wow. collections, like actual, like little, like really ah. sloppy. Like at like midnight, like wait a second. Before I go to bed, I want to like get this out, or like in the morning, wow. wake up, like just a random thing that I just drew up. Um, and my sketching is not pretty. Like I told producers, I was like, it looks like it's like scribbles. I'm sure you can. see I mean, it. that's
1: better than anything I'd ever <laughs> produced.
0: <laughs> I'm just like I just have to get the thought out, you yeah. know. I've like let this like do something with this, and I actually that's so funny that I, I turned to this. I actually have done like a little like knotted back silk gown. I work so a lot in silk. I'm wearing silks right now, but I
1: it looks silk.
0: good on your skin. So mm-hmm. I was like, this is a nice little show and tell because if I didn't have this, I think I would just go insane. Like I don't mm-hmm. think it sleep very well. So, um, it helps me sleep at night. Together. Do you find
1: yourself writing in it more at night or in the morning or kind of
0: both? I- I think so at night it's different so at night it's a lot of like to-do lists like it's like mm-hmm. okay I've got to get this done I've got to contact this person and I just really like to just cross it off in the morning in the morning it's a lot of sketches mm-hmm. like I really am a, a morning designer like even sometimes before coffee just have to like get it out and um that's actually sometimes like when I get my best like I think it's like almost like a mind like mindless thoughts like shower thoughts or something or like yeah. morning thoughts when you wake up like I just am like oh that was that was a crazy dream where I just had this way, like way mm-hmm. cool idea and I just have to put it out there. So I just will sketch it out.
1: You're like a true artist. Yeah. There's something so sacred about that morning time when you're fresh, when you haven't touched your phone, when your day hasn't started, when you aren't thinking about your email where that creativity can flow. And I think that I am guilty of that. I skip over that a lot in my day to rush into the next thing that I'm doing or wake up. And it's so nice to have that just like right there if something's on the top of your head. My dreams lately have been, I guess, vivid, but I I've been taking melatonin lately and I know I, I need to back off of it, um, but it's helped me sleep and I have crazy dreams whenever I sleep. So my dreams lately, they always are like my boyfriend cheating on me and I'm like, I wake up mad <laughs> at him. I'm like, why would you do that to me in my dreams? He's like, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what you're talking about. So my dreams haven't been as creative and lovely like yours, but that's such a nice practice.
0: I have those anxiety dreams too where I'm like, oh my yeah. God. And like, you're actually like mad at someone for something that never yeah. even happened. Yeah. I Not- can- could- for sure. especially like now lately I'm like there's just so much on your plate and you're stressed and you have to manifest it and like put that out there in some way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like damn it you cheated like yeah yeah so you wake up in
1: some type of way so I need that practice to release it yeah I, I love that you do that and thank you for sharing that with us one more question on the topic anything that has been related to your work or something completely different anything that's been on your heart your mind lately that you want to talk through
0: are you on TikTok? Uh-huh. I'm on TikTok. Too much, too much TikTok. It's so addicting. So I yeah. think too much TikTok. Um but so I I'm on TikTok. I really enjoy it and mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned so much. I think they're, the targeting is so good. So there's this yeah. sustainable fashion community. Obviously, I'm mm-hmm. very into that. We can get all into that. But um, I am so, I guess I'm re- really passionate about it. TikTok knows. And I've learned so much from creators about sustainable fashion. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'm seeing a lot of, which kind of goes against this like influencer culture, yep. even though it's also like I'm in the reality TV community. I'm also kind of a part of that as well on a very mm-hmm. micro level. Mm-hmm. Um, And I work with a lot of influencers too. So it's this polarity of Like this, like, you know, um, there's these sustainable fashion community that it's like all very anti halls and trends. The whole idea of a trend being like chuggy eventually. And I was going to ask you this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The whole concept really goes against that fast fashion, you know, swipe up right now. Like this this kind of discount off, you know, so those there's a really it's the diametric opposition of the two ideas. Yeah, I feel like there could be a way that they could work together. Yeah. Um and so that's been on my mind. I'm like thinking, you know, trends in Hall culture, like how trends are, I think it's just a misinterpretation of the word trend. So mm-hmm. Like when I think of a trend, I'm like, you know, trend researchers ultimately look at like the context or a theme or an event that's happening, the response that we're giving them, the like the why and how that's interpreted into our culture and how we manifest that in the way that we dress and how we present ourselves. So those are things that are, you know, that, that's a really large, broad idea, right? And, you know, you you want to think, like, those are things that could stick around. Like, it's a way of, like, our, our personal representation of something that's going on in society, going on in life, and how we interpret that. That could be something that could, you know, be our personal, you know, like, our vibe. We could, like, interpret it in a way where we, we're building our own style, and we mindfully include this trend, and it could be something that stays. You know, trends yeah. don't have to be something that's, like, I reduced down to like a single object, like a, Mm -hmm. like a trucker hat or like a, you know, like, or like a sand, like a chuggy, like those, like those toe ring sandals that are like chuggy (laughs) now. They were so cool, like last season. So it's so interesting how it's like, you know, the idea of chuggy for those who are listening that don't know is something that's like almost like cringy. It's a passing fad. It's something that like, we like old millennials still do. It's attacking
1: the millennials. A lot of the chuggy trends are on the millennials. I'm like, I'm pissed
0: <laughs> right it's like yeah. skinny jeans no no way that's not cool yeah. anymore. um I know we both have those middle parts now but it's like oh side part like hell yeah. no get rid of that I, I know I'm like <laughs> Well, dang, like I really liked my side part and I still do sometimes. It's so good could have the option, right? <laughs> it is. You got to mix it up. So yeah. I think it's the idea that things are chewy and like it's like being hating on the millennials. But I mean, those things all come back around. Like mm-hmm. there's a thing called the trend cycle and the trend pendulum. Minimalism was really cool when I was at Parsons and I was at fashion school. Everyone wanted to be super chic All very like monotone, Mm -hmm. like oversized, you know, really simple, elegant silhouettes. Now it's maximalism and Y2K and bringing back the 2000s. Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, low-rise jeans, Mm -hmm. bulging things. Beyonce, Destiny's Child, which is like so iconic. And I'm here for that too. But there's a place for all of our trends, and I think there's a way that like, or there's a place for all of us in the trends that are happening Mm -hmm. now. And there's a way that you can incorporate them mindfully into your wardrobe as you're building a smaller wardrobe. Because I know you're saying you want to scale back. I want to scale back too. I think it's Mm -hmm. really nice to have a capsule wardrobe and you can mindfully integrate those trends in a way that's not like, you know, that's not sustainable where you're going to be tossing them in a couple months or weeks even. It's just, that's just that's just so crazy to me. So I think it's a way of you know dressing for the trends, but also making it your own. And that way mm-hmm. you don't have to toss them. You don't have to get rid of them and you can not make it so chewy. So. Yeah. I, yeah. You brought up all
1: the points, a lot of the points that I wanted to talk to you about because I've seen that a lot lately. And I'm also part of that influencer culture as well as like the reality TV space where you're sent clothes all the time. And I'm just Sometimes I'm like, I don't need all of this stuff. What do I do with all of these things? And sometimes I don't even accept the clothes because I'm like, I have enough. This is wasteful. Um, but then you want to have the cute new trends. So that's like the the tug of both directions. But I think there's something so beautiful in having like unique and timeless pieces. Um, but it's, it's the play of the two things. So like, how do you live in both of those spaces? Like being with the trends and feeling in style without um, just buying something from H&M just to keep up with – or Zara just to keep up with the trends. So yeah, I don't know like the full answer to that and I would love to see a way of combining the two worlds because I agree. I think they could definitely interact within each other, but it's also like how to do that in the right way. So like what would you recommend? Because then I think a lot of the times with sustainable fashion, you think like I said earlier, you just think like going to the thrift store, which I feel like there's other ways of doing it. And then I also, there's, it seems like there's the opposite end of sustainable fashion where it's like very expensive in a way, like a little bit unreachable if that makes sense so like where do we find that middle ground of those two things like what is your
0: recommendations for that there's there's two ways right so there's a way where i think that it it's it falls on the companies because they're the ones like you said sending you these big boxes of clothes and you're like i don't need all this like mm-hmm. i'll give it away or you know the yeah. worst thing i'll throw it out and they're like or you can return it back to them and if it's a returned product they burn it or they just start mm. it like actually returning clothes is so bad and they don't ever tell you that like what they actually do with your clothes is so toxic oh, wow. so i think it starts with these companies like you know send things to people, of course, you you know, you want to get that exposure. I think it's a great little channel where, you know, you can send it to someone and they create cool content for you. It's amazing. But do it in a way that like you're sending them like a piece that they really love and that's made really well and that they can integrate into their wardrobe and show all the ways that they can wear it rather than Mm -hmm. all the cool things they got. And then just ending with like, buy it now. But it's like Mm -hmm. how how could you maybe style like one piece in a bunch of different cool ways? So it would, it would kind of condition others who are really into whatever you have to say, like, oh, I could do that myself. Look at all the mm. ways she did it. Look at all the ways that I can incorporate it in my wardrobe. I have a, a white t-shirt that I could pair that skirt with. I have a cool jacket that I could pair it with and some jeans. Like, you know, I, you could, you could do a lot of different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of using your platform to showcase having, you know, doing more with less basically. Mm. Um, so I think it, you know, it's on them and it's also on them to be more transparent with us because I don't think that we realize the impact that fashion has on our planet. Like it Mm -hmm. is so crazy and toxic. Like it's actually a little scary, the amount of clothes that are thrown out every year, um, by us as individuals and by these large companies like H&M that, you know, put out there that they have a really cool recycling program. Mm-hmm. Um, what they don't tell you is the the tiny percentage of clothes that are actually put back into the program where they can actually use the textiles to make new clothes. Mm-hmm. Most of it, gets like, it's like disintegrated into um, stuffing, like um, insulation for homes and buildings, oh, wow. which is also cool, mm-hmm. um, but it's also the problem, the root of the problem is the amount that they produce, right? And they're still throwing out clothes because they produce so, so, so much. And there's no way that we can even, as much as we're consuming, we can't even buy that much. So then I think it comes down to us too, as individuals thinking about, um, cause the wallet talks, you know, the wallet's powerful. So, you know, for me, it's like whenever something really catastrophic happened, that kind of changed my course of how I looked at fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out the companies that were involved and I never shopped from them ever again, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's I'm one person, but if more people were like that, you know, that's powerful. Um, and I think also not beating ourselves up, like like trends come and go i think you can incorporate trends and if you want to buy an exciting new piece get it something that's maybe cheap from like a fast fashion website and i know this might be a little controversial for people in the, the sustainable fashion community but like in the past, I didn't have a lot of money, like starting a business and stuff. I really didn't have much to work with, but I liked like some trendy things at Zara, mm-hmm. but I still have this in my closet from like 2013. I yeah. still have Zara dress. So for me, that wasn't fast fashion. I I mean, I also am one that mends my clothes and stuff, but like mm-hmm. you can do that. You don't have to buy always from like an expensive, sustainable designer. Um, and then I think also it comes down to just finding your own personal style. Yeah, I um, I use Iris at as like my, like style icon all the time. And I'm so excited because she actually just responded to a comment of mine today. And I was like, Oh my gosh, today is great. I love her. She's so iconic. And so I, I was it. like the epitome of like, she is an icon, a fashion icon. She wears things for years and years and she does it in such a crazy kooky way. Cause she's just this eccentric, amazing lady. I talked about her on Project Runway too. I was like, mm-hmm. she is, I mean, I said that she's the shit on Project Runway. I was like, she's the shit and she's amazing. And I love people that just do whatever the hell they want and wear whatever the hell they want. Because those are the people that I look to for inspiration as a designer. I look to people on the street mm-hmm. and I'm not looking at the girl who's wearing the thing that everybody else is wearing because it's cool. Cause that's boring after a while yeah. and she'll get bored of it after a while. I'm looking at the girl who's doing her own thing. And who's do- rocking it with a lot of confidence because mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, the woman that you look at in the room is going to be the, like, the cool girl is the one who has the most confidence and admitting so that, you know, that personal, I'm really into whatever I'm doing here. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the girl that I'm like, yes, that you are really inspirational. So that's what, that's my take. That was very long-winded, but oh, I- Oh yeah, I
1: loved it. That's so true. It's like, it's not even necessarily about the clothes, it's about how you wear them and how they make you feel and how that- you're representing that in a room and i i think that's really awesome for the people i feel like sometimes it's overwhelming because we see like trends we see like the it thing to wear some people i feel don't really know their style or for me for example this pandemic we spent our whole year in sweatpants so then leaving the house after that i was like what do i wear what what's like what do i wear that's comfortable but also feel like fashion forward like where what do you say to that person to help find their style and especially after last year of like our style just kind of going out the window?
0: Yeah, I, I would say the best thing to do is just go someplace that makes you feel comfortable. Like if it's a thrift store or if it's even to the mall, like just try on some things that make you feel Really comfortable and just feel like your best self or more comfortable in your skin or more confident or whatever that is. Try out some different silhouettes. Um, also like look to different like genres and times in fashion history that you thought were like really freaking baller. Like I love the 1970s. I'm all for like a really cool flair. Like I I love Studio 54 fashion. I'm also mm. from Dallas. So it's like, woo, like mm-hmm. I am more of a minimalist girl, but I'm like, I still love like a sparkly, you know, little every once in a while a little cocktail something. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so fun and you're just like "Ooh, like I'm shiny and I look cool you know so mm-hmm. I, I think it's stuff like that like look at fashion genres um also I go on Pinterest a lot and I like pin yeah. things like oh that's so cool and try to recreate it with my own wardrobe because I think you might surprise yourself by trying on things that you might already own mm-hmm. um And like, I mean, yeah, go to a store, go to thrifting, like find like little silhouettes and then go back to your own wardrobe. You don't necessarily even have to buy anything. And I know that sounds weird as a fashion designer telling you don't buy things, but Mm -hmm. I think any sustainable designer like worth their, you know, their salt is going to tell you like, I actually would rather you not buy a ton of things from me. I would rather you buy like a piece that you really believe in and love Mm -hmm. and wear it for years to come. Um, so I think you could go into your own wardrobe. You don't even necessarily have to buy something and just start piecing random things together and you might surprise yourself, you know? Um, so I think there's a way to do it where you don't even have to buy anything. Do you recommend like a few key pieces that each person should have in
1: their closet to like invest in? And then, so if we're saying we're dialing down our closet, like if we're giving our clothes back or donating them, like what's the best way to go about that, that it's actually going to be sustainable. And we know that it's going to be recycled or put to the the right use. Cause I feel like it's daunting sometimes when we don't realize that we're trying to do the right thing with uh, recycling or uh, donating. But if it's not actually going, like you said earlier, to what we think it's going to, um, do you have any recommendations on that?
0: Yeah. So there to answer your question, there, there's no perfect solution, which is kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are really working on it. Um, because whenever you go to a consignment store and you want to Donate whatever, um, or like a buffalo exchange, anything like that, mm-hmm. you want to donate. I think that's great, and I love that they do those donation programs where you, they give you a credit to the store and you can buy some things mm-hmm. hand. That's so cool. But even that being said, like one of my favorite thrift stores here recycles their floor with new clothes every hour on the hour. That's how much they have that they just mm-hmm. can't get rid of, and those things are end up in the landfill as well. But that's better than just ending up straight in the landfill, at least it's a less direct route yeah. where you're donating it someplace that's actually going to get used. It might, you know, have a second life or it'd be like loved by someone new. And that's really cool. Um, so it's a less direct route to a landfill. So I think that's the ultimate goal is either, you know, buying stuff that can decompose and break down. So natural fibers, having mm-hmm. natural fibers in your wardrobe is key. There's so much polyester out there and it's the worst thing in the world. Like it really is. That's, what's contributing to all those microplastics in our water supply. Mm-hmm. When you wash polyester, gets in our water and it's, it's contaminating our water. Our, our oceans are filled with 30% microplastic. I didn't so, know that from just yeah, washing it, just washing it. Yeah. Oh so I think it's buying those natural fibers. Cause then, you know, they, they wear really well on your skin. They don't trap in heat, like polyester traps in heat. and makes you hotter. Mm-hmm. Um, It's better for just your general health because it's it's breathable. Um, A lot of them are antimicrobial, Um, and then whenever you toss them, if you do toss them in a landfill, like hemp starts to disintegrate in as little as two weeks. So it completely breaks down. That's a plant fiber, so it just Mm -hmm. goes back soil. It actually could like, if you have a garden, you could throw it in your backyard and throw it in your garden and it will actually start nourishing mm-hmm. the plants. Hemp, hemp is the coolest thing ever. I love, hemp. I love eating
1: um, it. I love feeling it.
0: Yeah, feel, yeah. All the things you can wear it, you can eat it, you can yeah. feel it. It really is like the solution to all things. Um, yeah. So hemp is amazing. And then, yeah, if you do need to donate, donate it to a place that will actually put it on the floor and that extends the product's life cycle. So it's all about extending the product life cycle. And then to answer your other question, doing a smaller wardrobe. So mm-hmm. what I first tell people is try to challenge yourself to the three 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 rule. So over the course of three months, try to wear 33 items only in your closet, um, which to some people sounds really tiny. To me, that sounds like a pretty generous closet. It sounds like a lie. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, you don't really have to throw out that much. It's just like find a way over three months. But three months is, you know, that you might be passing through different seasons to mindfully wear what you already have and not buy anything new. So again, it's weird. I'm sell, trying to sell clothes for a living, but like, don't buy anything new. Wear what you have for real. Yeah. That's the first most sustainable option is to wear what you have. The second option would be going to a thrift store. finding things this is such a good tip. I love when someone told this to me. They were like I they, they curate um, a really amazing vintage capsule that they sell on their website. Um, and it always is like very, it's always updating. Um, they look for expensive looking tags mm. because those are the pieces that usually have the nicest finishes. And as you're going through a ton of racks at a thrift store, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but if you yeah. kind of know what to look for with the tags, if they look a little bit expensive, usually those are things that are made in a time where they used a lot more natural fibers, they use better finishes, things like that. Mm. Um and look for things like a classic button down. Everyone tells you that. But to find one that actually fits really well, like mm. suited for your body or take it to a tailor and make it fit really well. Um, I love a silk scarf. I'm wearing one as a top right now. I, I make don't know them, what. but um, you can wear like silk scarves are just the most versatile thing. And, and I just saw someone say it was chuggy on TikTok and I was like, I don't know. Swear I can no. <laughs> I mean, tell you as a fashion designer, I think it's still really cool. Yeah so many different ways like mm-hmm. how how is a silk scarf to be like no, no. so mm-mm. so I think a silk scarf like a real silk scarf um is really nice to have especially one that has like those hand rolled hemp like finishes on the sides those they're amazing mm-hmm. they last for years um and you can wear it in your hair you can wear it as a top you can wear it all kind of all kinds of ways um so and then I would also say and uh, like a, just a nice Classic pair of like Levi's, like old denim. Mm It was like really the thick, rugged, amazing, and that's also really hard to find. You just have to try on a bunch of different because for me, I'm like an impossible fit. That's why I just tailor everything for myself. There's something that's in your closet and you think it's weird, and the proportions are weird, and you're not a designer. There are really easy like DIYs, and then you could always just take it to a tailor because that makes. Ten times the difference if you have things that are tailored to fit you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love a tailor. I love being like, "Hey, can you fix everything on this item?" I had one like uh, give me a slit in a dress that I had the other day, and I got to rewear it, rewear it because I couldn't walk in it before. So it's wonderful. You just gave us so many amazing tips. I'm gonna re-listen to that and write it down and take notes. I that was uh, amazing. I wasn't expecting all of those like very uh, practical answers. And it was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome. You're so knowledgeable on that. But yeah, I I love – I think that's so doable. And I, I think once we rework things, I've actually done – you know the, the Marie Kondo thing where you like see if the item sparks joy. It's kind of similar to that but over a longer period of time. I've done that as well where you're just like dumping everything out and be like, if it doesn't spark joy, then put it in the pile. But I I actually like cried over certain clothes. It's weird how you can be attached to certain items that's a whole other story. But
0: that's so true though. I, I yeah. feel like I've been on so many. Like I talked to um, like I went on Elena Davies podcast. We talked about how there's like emotional attachment to clothing. And it's just, it's so wild. But it's true. Like Marie has a point. Like, if it doesn't spark joy, that's that's literally the name of my brand. Farah means joy mm-hmm. in Arabic. And it's like if it doesn't bring you joy, what are you doing holding on to it? You gotta let yeah. it go. And there's someone else that would probably love it. You know, I'm sure you have so many beautiful things. And if it's not bringing you joy and you don't want to wear it anymore, that's okay. It's okay to like to toss things out, but just make sure that they're going to a place where they could actually maybe be loved by somebody else, you know? Totally.
1: Actually, my one of my friends did a swapping clothes party. So she had all of her friends bring like some five items that they weren't wearing anymore and they had like cocktails and everyone just swapped clothes. And I think that's so cute and a great way to continue on with fashion. But yes.
0: Great, I know. I wish we had more of those in Dallas. I think that, I like, I, are you in LA?
1: No, I used to be in LA. I was in New York, and then I was in LA. Now I'm in Ohio, so it's a oh, different okay. yeah, so
0: vibe. It's, but I'm like, I, that's good to hear that it's happening in Ohio. I think that they are happening more places because I'm like, out yeah. in LA, in New York. I feel like I see it all the time, and I'm so jealous. I'm like, oh, I want to take place in one of those swaps. Those I so- know.
1: Oh, actually, my uh sister-in-law, she's actually not my sister-in-law yet, but we are now swapping clothes, and it's actually saving a lot of money and time. But
0: yes, that you even know could love it. So there you go. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So I want to get into a little bit of your time on Project Runway because I've been obsessed with that show and you helped me revive that obsession today as I was binge watching your season. Tell me about that process because I went on The Bachelor and just the whole background of filming a show I think is so interesting. And then within your Season, you're doing a competition, so I can't imagine that element added onto it. So for you, what is the audition process like? What made you want to go on the show? And then, kind of, what is the filming dynamic like of Project Runway?
0: Like, how much time do you have? It's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> it's really interesting because I, I feel like I might, I might be like a little bit like you, where like I never was like. I'm going to be a reality TV star. Oh, yeah. Like I have this giant, like crazy personality. Like I'm pretty fellow, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill. And I, I feel like, you know, there's all kinds of personalities on The Bachelor that I've got to see over time. That show is like so iconic. It's part of mm-hmm. like, you know, like the OG reality family. It's been on forever. And Project Runway is kind of like that. It came yeah. out many, many years ago. I, I was on season 17, you know? So it's one of those iconic shows, but I had seen crazy personalities on that show over time where I'm like, I'm so nervous. I don't think I am the, what they would want, you yeah. know? And so you go into with that idea, but my best friend helped me. She encouraged me to apply and she actually sent the initial application for me. Cause she was like, girl, what are you doing? Like you are sitting here doing the same thing every day. Like you're growing organically. That's cool. But like, what else could you do? You know? And so for me, I thought about it and I was like, okay, like, why not? And she was like, let the producers decide. That's their job. So you kind of, you kind of just leave it up to fate and say, Mm -hmm. all right, I'll give it my best go. And if this is for me, it's for me. If it's not, it's not. It was my first year ever auditioning. It was the craziest, longest audition process ever, which I don't, it was kind of an abnormal year because it was its first year back on Bravo, which was crazy. Um, And so when I got the call, that I got it. I had like maybe a week, a little over a week to prepare. Yeah, I remember uh, that. <laughs> yeah, you just have to be like, all right, I'm just here. I am like yeah. bags packed. I don't know what's gonna happen, and you never know what you're signing up for truly. Even if you have some kind of history with TV and film production, no one really truly knows what they're getting into until they're there. So when I arrived, I was so overwhelmed. It's so funny. I actually posted a TikTok about this. Um, when I got to set, I was so overwhelmed and like just so starstruck and in awe that like I was a part of it mm-hmm. um and ha- very much I have imposter syndrome very much so and um the it just reinforced this imposter syndrome because yeah. some girl who was carrying around the champagne was like I asked for champagnes I was so nervous and she goes sorry this is for the designers <laughs> so I was like knife in the back <laughs> I'm one of them um yeah. yeah hi here I am and she was like and so I I was like, oh, I, I just was mortified. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I think you say I was a designer. I was like, all right, like I'll just go home now. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so then a producer, because I, I might, they're like, Lila, go get your champagne. Like you're a designer, go up there. And so I don't know who, if she got talked to or whatever, but I got my champagne and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm here. I'm right. I'm here. Okay. So I started talking to some of the designers, met Carly Kloss. She's just like oh, this, like Amazon, beautiful, like so stunning, just so stunning. Oh my gosh. Elaine Welteroth, like editor in chief of teen Vogue, like was so incredible. And Brandon Maxwell, a designer that I admire, Nina Garcia, OG judge. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just the coolest thing. And I just, you, you just get thrown into it thrown into the mix. Um, I yeah. did pretty well. I think that no one tells you about being on reality TV that you, um, the worst part is coming off of reality TV and waiting for that edit to see how did they edit me? Because there's so many hours of filming that people don't realize that goes into yeah. it. So many stories that are never told that you really can't touch on because it didn't happen according to TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's so many angles and there's sides that you can take and you don't know what's going to happen. So that that period of waiting is dreadful and no one tells you that. Oh my gosh, no one says uh about that. And so I was very pleased with my edit. I came off very like professional. You know, I kept it together. I think Mm -hmm. you could probably say the same thing about your experience. You know, it's like I did well. I kept it together. Um didn't go to the end. You know, obviously we didn't, you know, we didn't make it to the end, but here we are. Like, you know, it's a huge platform and it's an amazing experience. So Mm -hmm. you know for me the prize was not love. It was money and and connections with the CFDA, which I thought the CFDA connections were the coolest part. Um, they're just the the tastemakers of the fashion world, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, they're one of them for sure. I, that it was a life changing experience. I never knew that I was capable of so much in so little time. Um, stayed there for nine weeks and cranked mm-hmm. out a bunch of looks and got eliminated on a menswear challenge that was really out of my wheelhouse. But like honestly, I had so much fun doing it. Like mm-hmm. it was it was terrible going on the runway. I was like that fringy blue monster is just terrifying. My model is so cute. And he was like, Hey, it's okay, girl. I'm going to rock it. And I was like, you were just so darling for that. But like, yeah, it was, is that the
1: Elton John episode? Yes. Yes. That was
0: my moment of glory. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny though, because I was so gung ho. I was like, you know what, if I don't say anything bad, like I'm going to stick really, I'm going to stay confident through this whole experience because, everyone is spending for themselves. Like no one else is advocating for me to go to the end. That's here competing. It's a competition. So yeah. I'm going to just stay really confident. And so like in my mind, as that thing was going down the runway, I was like, Oh God, what a disaster. And they were like, "Lula, so what do you think about it? And I was like, you know, I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited about this look. Like, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, I think it was amazing. Same thing with my first challenge. Some of the designers actually kind of liked it. Um, I. I had, like, a full-blown meltdown in the bathroom and, like, covered my mic. Didn't tell anyone that I was in tears and, like, in shambles. I don't think anyone – I don't think I've ever actually even said that on air or anything. Um, full-blown. I hadn't had a panic attack like that since grad school. So it'd be wow. years. And I hid it from everybody and pulled it together and was like, you know what? In the moment, I just have to stay st- so strong. Because this is definitely a dream come true. This is an amazing experience. And you cannot go home on challenge one. No, and, I can't. And, you know, I mean, has to but- – but I just really yeah. didn't want it to be me. I was like, no, I've got more, yeah. more to share. Um, and so pulled it together. And I was on the bottom, but in the interview, they were like, what do you think of your look? And same deal. I was like, I think it's incredible. Like, I think it's really going to be a time.
1: I liked it. It was like that silk pant and like the red. Yeah, I the red. It.
0: Yeah, the yeah. idea was cool. Just execution. And like, yeah. I know my construction skills was not there, uh, but mm-hmm. thank you. I thought, yeah, the concept was there. It was very cool. Yeah. But yeah, full blown meltdown. Like, oh my gosh, it's uh.
1: I can't imagine the pressure, and I remember having my own series of meltdowns on reality TV, and again, mine weren't shown either, so I think within, within my edits, I couldn't be the meltdown girl, so whatever, but I, it's so easy to get to those like really extremes, especially when you're in a competition because you care about it so much, and you are giving up so much to be there, and it's just like a lot on the line. I'm also thinking about the fact that you are constantly receiving criticism on that show from like very well known people in the fashion industry like the top notch of all of all of the industry so like how did you take that mentally was it just that positive reinforcement for yourself or like what got you through all of that criticism that everyone receives on that show.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause that's, that's so scary. Um, I think the thing that you have to remember though, and this is what I tried to keep reminding myself, cause I, I was a fan of the show and not everyone had watched like every single season. Like I had, mm-hmm. I remember thinking there are some times where they say things. And as a viewer back home, you see the person like in shambles on stage, but you're thinking as the viewer, like, Hey, you know what, man, I liked your look, so yeah. don't look to them, you know? And some comments are for reality TV purposes, just so that they can yeah. have a really cool little sound bite that's just kind of funny. And sometimes I, I don't want to make them sound like they're mean girls, but sometimes it is at the expense of the designers, oftentimes it's at the expense of the designers and that to me is super messed up, but it's like, it's not really even personal. It's for, t- it's for good ratings. And mm-hmm. that is what kind of kept me going. So when I had a look that was on the top, it was the elegance challenge. And, um, I honestly, to this day, I'm like I. I I was on top. I was top three. I think it could have totally won. The other two looks were awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stood by it. I was like, Nina Garcia is tearing into me. There's a lot of things that weren't shown that were actually like, I it, not so body positive either. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is, that's messed up. Um, they were like saying how women wouldn't want to accentuate their hips, how the Lena Garcia said that my drape looked like toilet paper. Cause it was in a, a cream color. And I was just, that's one of those things where I was like, I know that my drape is fabulous and yeah. this is just for TV. And then Brandon Maxwell jumps in and says, well, if that's toilet paper, like I want to buy some, cause that's the most expensive toilet paper I've ever seen. I love it. So it's just like, yeah. All right, that's great for that was great for TV. It's not personal. And I think I do a really good job of not taking a lot of things personal. Granted, there are some amazing, like criticism can be wonderful. Mm-hmm. It can help build you up and break you down to only build you up again. Um, and I did I did learn a lot from the judges. I had some criticisms that actually weren't aired that were really, really helpful and a little bit more technical from like mm-hmm. designers like Brandon Maxwell. Um, that was on my first challenge, and I was like, okay, noted. Um, and I took those things to heart and I built upon them. So that can mm. also be really helpful. But sometimes it's just for TV. And you're like, just remind yourself it's not personal, it's just for TV. Yeah. It's really hard at <laughs> the moment, but you have to stay strong. Absolutely.
1: And I also imagine it's extremely difficult even to make it on the show. So just knowing that you're one of all of those people that designers that they even chose like is huge. So yeah, which is really incredible what was the hardest part of the show? Was it the hours? Like what was the most difficult part and what
0: did you gain the most from being on that show? Gosh, so many other. So I think the most difficult part is to, to exactly what we're talking about, like to not look around and compare yourself. Like, Oh my gosh, look at all the other talented people that are here. I'm part of this Mm -hmm. and to get in your head about it and be like, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so is talking a big game. They're really confident because there are designers that are more vocal than me that are like, Oh my God, this is the shit. And you're like, I'm still working in muslin, which is yeah. like practice fabric. Like I am 10 steps behind this person. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm panicking, which is like what happened to me when I first got there. And I think that was the hardest part for me is to to not look around the workroom, even though you're expected to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't. That's why I didn't really get much airtime, but I was like, I am focused on the goal. Like I am head in the game. Like Mm -hmm. I am, I do thrive in a competition, in a competition environment. Like I grew up playing sports. Like I do like to compete. So like get your head in the game. Mm -hmm. And just because it's something that's just, it's fashion, it's TV. And we're expected to do so much. Like you're here to make amazing clothes at the end of the day. So make the best thing that you personally can make. Cause I think it's like, like I think the best quote ever that I've ever heard is a comparison is the thief of joy. But I also would go a second step further is comparison is a thief of joy and originality. So just mm-hmm. like do you, the best you. Don't try to like do something similar to someone else so if you're like inspired or that you see that they're on this track and that would, that's what the judges seem to be resonating with. Like they picked you for you. Mm-hmm. So do the best that you can do. And if it's authentically from inside of you and what inspires you and drives you, it's going to be 10 times better than mm-hmm. anything that you can do that's mimicking something that's trending or cool, you know, following trends. Do your own thing.
1: I love that. Yeah. It's just like knowing yourself fully and sticking to it, staying in your lane in that regard. And it seems to definitely work for you, which is great. I have a couple more questions. You have your own line called Fair, which you touched on. I want to like know a little bit more about it and just – any inspiration that you could give to someone wanting to start a business, whether it's in fashion or any field really? Because there, I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there and a lot of people that kind of want to go into their own business and pursue that. But then there's all of the like, what ifs or what if I leave my job and I don't make it? Like,
0: what do you recommend to people for starting out uh, your own company? Ooh, That's the scariest thing ever, you know, like doing something on your own and not having to rely on like a consistent work schedule, you have to make it, you know, you have to all, you know, like it's, that's so, unique. Uh, not a lot of people get the opportunity to do that. And not a lot of people feel like they can do it. I think more people could do it if they wanted to. I I, mm-hmm. I just had this fuel. like I, like It lit this fire under me after being at Parsons. The Rana Plaza disaster happened in 2013. Um, it was in Bangladesh and mm-hmm. thousands of people died in a factory collapse. And um, I touched on it. I said there was an incident that happened and I no longer supported the brands that were associated oh. Um That included Victoria's Secret. It included Mango. It included Old Navy. There's many more, but those are the ones that I'm certain of. And I never shopped there ever again. It was a senseless thing. It was one of those things where the building manager was told you could bring the building up to code. They ignored it. It was, you know, to cut costs. They weren't paying people fair wages at all. Next to nothing like sense. And there's also like a, a thing called like per piece work so they, they, they price things per piece hmm. when size pieces take like you know it took me like nine hours to make a dress on Project Runway more than that sometimes and so it, that's not very fair if you're paid you know ten dollars per piece and you're working wow. nine hours ten hours you know that's insane Um, so it's sense on the dollars what they're essentially getting when they're producing at that level and it was so senseless so I for me it was like it lit this fire I was like there's no way that I could do anything other than start a sustainable brand and maybe one day I could talk about it with more people maybe one day I could be influential, even like in the smallest way. I I hope that more people do it like me. Like I hope that more people are a little bit more mindful with how they create. No one's perfect. We're all trying to figure it out. No one is 100% sustainable. I hate when people are like, so you have a 100% sustainable brand. Farah is a brand that I started now like five years ago. And it was a brand that was born out of like, I love luxury fashion. What can we do to be better? Because so much is thrown out. And these are really nice textiles. Also, I'm a poor college student. I just graduated from grad school. Like I put everything into my education. So I have no money. So this this nice fabric that I love because I'm such a fabric junkie, how can I use all of it? And, oh, that's called being zero waste because I'm repurposing it. And it, it started out of necessity and then it became something that's the cornerstone of my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, my brand name means Joy, like I mentioned. And I think that's the most important thing is whenever you're shopping... Not only you could come to my brand because you think it's a sustainable brand and that's cool and you want to support that, but I also aim to make pieces that bring people joy and happiness. Like I made this blazer, like it's bright purple. When I put it on, I'm like, oh, I love it. I feel like cool. Like I feel like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a boss lady blazer it's you know kind of powerful it's a bright color so it's also fun and i love clothes that because anything can do this we form personal attachments to clothes so a piece of clothing that has a positive impact on your persona is just so fascinating to me and i want to i want to be part of that creating things and it could be you know a blazer it could be like your wedding dress you know So I I do it all. I have a lot of wedding clients right now, but I love yeah. it. It's, like, it's a big day, you know, and yeah. I just think that's
1: so inspiring. That's incredible. Yeah, I did see that you customize clothes for people, and I think that's amazing. And I was like, oh, wedding dresses. Hmm, well, maybe if I take some steps in my life, we'll be calling you up one day.
0: Yes, yeah, we have a full blown atelier. So I mean, from concept to creation, we we do a lot of that in house with a wow. very small team, but a very skilled team. I'm really proud of them. So
1: incredible. Uh,
0: Yeah, we do a lot and it's really fun. And I think – I mean, I'm like I said, I'm inspired by people. Like I like to like vibe with whatever you want to do and it's a a collaboration and sustainable creation. Yeah,
1: I love that too with the way that you work with fabrics. It's almost like letting the fabric and the little pieces kind of tell you what to make. It's like giving them another life. It's so cool. I I have last few questions. One of them was you just met with a celebrity right before this. So what is it like for working with celebrities? Yes. Or just like difficult clients or different types of clients? Like how do you best – deal with all the different personalities that you get to work with
0: I have some crazy stories I mean I think I've I have been really blessed my mom says that I'm like crazy lucky I don't know I have had just a track record of awesome clients Mm -hmm. like I really have I've heard horror stories in the industry but I have never had that experience so I just worked with Cameron Westcott she is one of the real housewives of Dallas which one is she is she the Asian one She's like the blonde Barbie one. Ah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. She's so cute. Um, and she's so sweet. I like. I love working with her. And she's. I didn't realize she studied art and like in college. So she really appreciates like, the art form of the fashion. And I mm. love clients like that that really like are into the whole making of and the textiles and I love that. So she's super cool. Um I am also working on a dress for the Emmys. I'm dressing someone for the Emmys this year. Um wow. her name is Alicia and she's a stunt woman and she is such a badass. It's the first year ever that the Emmys also has nominated stunt performers for That's as individuals. So cool. wow. And she's like national team for bobsledding, like went wow. to for bobsledding. Has was in Black Panther. Like she's an actress and stuntwoman. She she really does it all, and yeah. she's just incredible person. So I'm excited to make her dress. That was another, like, it was just a collaboration. Like I had this concept and it's part of my new collection, but I was like, I want to hear from you. And so we added a couple cool things that were very her. And I love mm-hmm. that. So that's really cool. And then my, my start, my first thing that I've ever done with a celebrity, I was working for a company called Harvison in New York. He's a really cool designer. Um, And I started there. It was kind of slow. He's independent. Mm-hmm. And then we got a call from Beyonce's team. And mm-hmm. I was like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I didn't get to meet her personally but I met her stylist and I met her fit model and when I tell you that woman oh my she's magical she wore a piece mm-hmm. and I was like I helped design this piece like I mm-hmm. picked out the fabric that is now on Beyonce's shoulder like that is so cool that like, <laughs> yeah. so that was like the, that was my first celebrity. it was just like a crazy huge bang that's a crazy amazing start to a career wow. um but working with Beyonce was the first big thing it was this red jumpsuit and the designer was more, um, I would say he's a very more like neutral, gender neutral designer, but he was like, okay, we're going to make something sexy. And I was like, I can do sexy. So let me at it. Like, and so I picked out some really cool fabric and uh, it was really cool being a part of that team.
1: What a dream. Yeah. Actually that brings up a funny memory for me. We, I always did auditions for dance in this and Alvin Ailey. So there was one day that Beyonce was audition, or she was like, rehearsing in the other room. And after she left, we just like went in the room and just breathed the air that she was in the room breathing because we we're like, she was here. And that that was enough for me. So the fact that her your fabric touched her shoulders, I can imagine. Incredible. Wow. Yeah, that's so, so cool. I could talk to you forever about all of this, um, but I'm going to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> before you go, I like to ask everyone like final questions. And I kind of just want to ask for you one last piece of advice because I feel like you have so much uh, knowledge and it could be whether about something that you do or what, something about we talked about or just random advice. Any last piece to leave us off on?
0: Well, so I mentioned like the comparison component, um, like comparing your, yourself to others is really it, it's the worst. Don't do it. Um, it's the thief of joy, the thief of originality, but also I would say the thing that I think is as an entrepreneur or really just anything that you want to do in life, something that sounds really daunting and big. Like, I think there's so many people that talk about it. They have an idea, they talk about it, they, they share it with their friends, they mull it over, they maybe journal it, they write it down that's not the same as doing it. You just, you have, it sounds so simple to say you've got to do it, but like, don't talk about it. Don't dream about it. Go do it, go try Mm -hmm. it. Like, if you're failing that that only means that you're trying like you should never be afraid of failure because failure can lead to amazing things and failure is always so subjective you know if an opportunity doesn't work out the way that you imagined it it can lead to 10 other things that you would have never been able to do had you not put yourself in that position to fail mm-hmm. so i would just say you know my advice to anyone that's thinking about ever doing anything like going into like a fashion career is so you know anything that's in front of the public eye too it's just so daunting but just do it like the worst that can happen is it doesn't go exactly as you imagined it i'm the eternal optimist so i'm like when a door closes a window opens mm-hmm. there's other opportunities that are going to come for it you just have to go for it
1: I completely agree. Yeah. Life can surprise you sometimes when you take risks and they might not be what you thought was going to be at the end of it, but it can lead you in a completely different direction whereas actually where you actually spo- where you were supposed to be in the end anyway. So thank you for that last note. Um, Leela, where can everyone find you? Social media, f- where can they shop Fera, all of that Great stuff.
0: I am out there. Um I, I feel like some like I'm too out there. Like, that's a lot. Um so I have a you can find me Leela Christiana. It's my Instagram. Lila Orr is my TikTok. We talked a little bit about that. Um, and then Farah is Farah official on Instagram. Farah.co is the website. Um, you can shop us online. You can shop in my store. It's sept, like September, but like shorter. And also now my hats are going to be in stores all over. So Ooh. mostly in Louisiana and Texas to start, but we'll see. Um, Exciting.
1: Yeah. A hat. I'm definitely going to go follow you on TikTok after this because I wanna be a part of the sustainability TikTok. You know, when you flip through and you're on certain TikTok, that's where I want to be at. So <laughs> I'm going to go to
0: that. Fashion, yes. It's all yes. over there. I, yeah. I'm like, I, there's so much more that we could all do, but it's, it's fascinating. Um, I followed you on Instagram. I love your account. So thank you. I love, also, I, just, too. I love this podcast. It's so wonderful to be on.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate you being here and sharing everything that you did with me. It was wonderful. I really am so thankful for you being here and sharing all that. That was great that is it for me today you guys thank you so much for being here and for listening before you go make sure that you rate review and follow as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode and one thing you can share in the meantime this podcast obviously send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday